Most people understand autism through medical assumptions. They understand autism as a medical condition, a disorder, even as a tragedy. In the medical paradigm, we're taught to believe that there's a correct way to develop neurologically, that there's a right way for our brains to work, the normal way, and that any other way of developing is wrong and needs to be treated and fixed. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Period Sis. I'm your host, Mandy B, and this is brought to you by none other than the official box owner. I'm so excited, and I just want to thank everyone who has supported the official box owner brand. Uh, we have, of course, our official launch that just happened. So make sure you go on over to officialboxowner.com and get your products. I am joined today with a wonderful, wonderful host to share her story of motherhood. So before we get into that, it is yet another tale of womanhood for women by women. Hi, Steffi. Thank you so much for joining us today on Period Sis. Hey, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. This is amazing. I am so excited for having you. By, by the way, guys, I want to let, just let you know, clearly, yes, I brought on my friends, but I love that so many other women have reached out to me. And Steffi actually reached out to me with a topic suggestion. And I was like, no, girl, uh, bring your ass on and let me know your story. <laughs> uh, but guys, for those of you who do not know, Steffi is the host of the Do I Look Fat podcast, which is a body positivity podcast. I love that. You know, that's definitely aligned with my brand. But Steffi is also a mother of an 11-year-old son with autism. And so we're going to kind of go through Steffi's journey with, with that process, with that journey, um, with that relationship. And so, Steffi, can you go ahead and start with your journey of pregnancy, when you got pregnant, if you were just if you only cared about 10 toes and 10 fingers or yeah, if there were conversations yeah. about the health, let's go ahead and start with your pregnancy journey. Sure. Um, so my son, Ethan, he is the light of my life. He is 11 going on 12. Um, we actually share our birthdays are two days apart. So we always oh, celebrate birthdays awesome. together and everything. Right. So I got pregnant when I was 23. So I was 24 when I had him. Right. Okay. And it was to me, you know, I was one of the first of my like friend group to get pregnant. So that was weird, you know, within itself. Um, it kind of isolated me from the beginning, I feel like, okay. which was interesting. Um, and but other than that, my pregnancy was normal health wise. I had him past term. Actually, he was late. Uh, he was a big baby a big solid baby. Um, he was probably like, he was nine pounds, 12 ounces. So almost 10 pounds. Okay. Okay. He was a big boy. Oh, oh, a really big boy. A and really big during, boy. during your pregnancy, you went to all your checkups. You went, yeah. you know, everything was normal. I had all the normal? support. I was with my okay. son's father at the time we lived together. We had an apartment. Like I thought I was checking all my boxes, right? It was crazy. And I was so young. So it was like, oh my God, yes, I'm, Having a baby, even though looking back, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. So it's like looking back, I'm like, oh, girl, you should have uh, pumped the brakes probably a little bit. But that's another story for another time. With the um, father, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, okay, gotcha. <laughs> right? So, but anyways, the pregnancy itself was perfect. It was great. 
I didn't have quote unquote complications until actual labor and delivery. I had to have a cesarean because he was so big. I'm small. I'm only five, two. I'm petite, short limbs. Like I'm little. So he literally, welcome to the T-Rex arm club. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, um, he couldn't pass my pelvis. So he actually got kind of stuck and he came out bruised. So they had to go in and, like, take him out. Yeah, so that was, like, a complication within itself. But other than that, he was fine. Um, Okay. He had... Do you know, real quick, do you know if this is a common thing that happens? Like, like with with it just, with the baby not being able to pass and then, like, almost an emergency C-section? Okay. It wasn't, they didn't make it seem like it was such an emergency, Okay. I think it was just so, I was in labor for 24 hours. So I was already like, whatever you need to do. You know what I'm saying? So like they gave me the option and I was like, all right, fine. It wasn't like we had to sit there and I had to like think about it or like people were concerned. It wasn't like that. Like it was just like, so we're not moving as fast as we think we should be. We think he's really big, you know, Okay. it could be a problem because he could get through but it would be an issue right so i had a cesarean whatever um my recovery from that was horrible i do not recommend people think it's easier it is not the recovery from from terrible from a c-section what what kind of things so of course i have not popped a baby out of my cooch or my stomach i like i i don't have this experience so i do want to know even for the women who maybe gave birth through through their vagina naturally i'm just like naturally Mm -hmm. um what type of things did you experience with healing from a c-section so okay well one thing i can maybe um compare it to for you is you had gastric surgery i did so they sliced i mean you had it was arthroscopic i also worked for like the medical field so i like i know the terminology yes i was about to say no my (laughs) i had little dots and holes. it was arthroscopic but yes. there was still soreness in your abdomen, right? Because yes. they had to go in, move things around, and all of that. It was like that, but probably more intense because they had to slice me open. My scar is very small. If I didn't tell you I had it, you wouldn't know because you can't okay. see it. Awesome. However, that recovery, like not being able to bend over, stand up straight, mm. bathe myself. it was, And then with a newborn. like So imagine you can't do those things regularly when you have a newborn. Imagine also needing assistance for yourself to do things. It was terrible. Oh, wow. Do not recommend. <laughs> I would go back. If I have another kid, I would do try to go back to vaginal if it was possible. Okay. Okay. And I would try so, to have it naturally. And so even though there was a little bit of difficulty in the beginning, Baby comes out healthy. Mm-hmm. You get through healing. And then tell me what happened within the first year and a half, the things that you started to notice. Um, and just let me know what 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 lets you, you know, go towards mm, right. something. So the thing about right. autism is, is yes. that literally everyone's experience is different. Okay. Completely different. Some people knew from earlier on. Some people don't find out until later. He's actually trying to get into my room right now. I hope you don't (laughs) hear that. Um, (laughs) But for me, I think it was the vaccinations. And that's kind of like a a touchy Uh subject. You know, like it's like controversial because I'm not anti-vax. 
like that's not my stand at all. I okay. just think with vaccinations, there are reactions and certain people have certain things within them that react differently than others. And I think whatever Ethan is composed of, whether it's my genetics, whether it's, you know, anything from outside, genetics, right? his father's genetics, but also environmental too. Like we don't know. So, and it could react with anything, right? That's okay. the thing. We just don't know. So I think the vaccinations changed him. At what at what age at what age was he vaccinated and which vaccines? So these were the big ones. I can't really pinpoint exactly what it is because honestly, I was really going through it. Um, so I blocked out a big period of his life, like mentally. Um, okay. But it was the I remember it was like the big I think it was the ten months because I have time hop, right? And this is my favorite thing about the internet and like (laughs) technology okay is that I can remember certain things based on like pictures that I took and I remember I took his 10 month picture at his appointment to get vaccinated right so I don't remember what group this was but this was around the 10 month time right okay and he just I have a video of him of that day and he was just so like responsive and laughing and like he was on my chest. He was a baby. And I would like blow in his face and he was laughing. Ha 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 Whatever. So like, I think that was the last time I actually pinpointed with something tangible of how he was as a baby. Right. Because okay. after that, it slowly diminished and he slowly pulled away. Okay. So he wasn't interacting as much. I remember by the time he was one, one and probably like, 13 months, 14 months, 15 months, I can get him to kind of like count to five, right? Okay. After that, I couldn't get him to count. I couldn't get him to say the number one. I couldn't get him to say anything. It was just, it was, it was so weird because he was progressing, progressing, progressing. And then it just stopped. It was, it was, it was scary. Now, you did say that you went through pregnancy and having a baby prior to all of your friends. So mm-hmm. I can't, I you know, I don't believe you had any of your peers to compare their children to. Was this something that then you brought to your family members at all? No. Or anyone? Did you start looking online about what this could mean? So what it was, I did start looking online like why isn't, why is my son delayed? Because what ended up happening was when I was working, I work in the medical field, as I mentioned earlier. And while I was pregnant, there was this girl that worked in my office that was due a week after me. And she had a little girl. Okay. And like we would have play dates and we would talk about things. And it wasn't that I would talk to her about it, but I would see her daughter and her daughter is now counting. So this is also the dawn of like social media, Facebook, Instagram, like I'm watching all of these kids develop in ways that my son is not developing. And I'm just like, okay, something is wrong. At one and a half, I knew something was wrong. But I don't know if it's a law or a a rule. Kids cannot be, at least at that point, at that time, kids could not be diagnosed with autism until they were five years old. They couldn't be diagnosed with PDD-NOS, which is a non-specified um, develop- developmental disorder. Pervasive de- developmental disorder is what it is. Okay. And it's non-specified. So it's basically saying like, hey, 
at two years old, we can see that there's something wrong developmentally with your kid, but we can't diagnose it yet. So we'll get you help early, but we can't tell you what it is as of yet. So can you explain what, uh, clearly you found this out going to the doctor, correct? Mm-hmm. So what was that like? I brought that it to his like? attention. I made him okay. do it. I made okay. him do it. And that's what I'm saying. At one and a half, I was like, something's wrong. What can we do? Like, is there therapies? Is there something? Like, I was really on top of it very early on. And they told me I had to wait until he was over two years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. and so Over two. What happened after two? What were the tests? What what type of, was it a lot of doctor's appointments? Was it very few? Because at the same time, difficult. you also have to realize, like, a two-year-old, too, is developing, is growing. Like, at any point, they can catch on and become the brightest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what I mean? So, how often were you going to the doctor to, to see what the so diagnosis was? So, it's not like that. It's not like okay. doctor's appointments. Um, okay. So, you express to your doctor, and again, this was... 2011 2012 right so this is almost 10 years ago at this point I don't know if this has changed but we had him we told the doctor hey at one and a half hey there's something wrong we have to wait until two at two years old we told the doctor hey we still think something is wrong like he's still not development like he's not talking whatever they had to check his ears to make sure that he could hear and that that wasn't an issue okay um, so he ended up getting tubes put in his ears because he was getting ear infections. As a baby, I was prone to ear infections. So to me, that wasn't nothing. Like Same. I had tubes in my ears as well. So. Yeah. So yeah. they did that. Whatever. Fine. He was fine. Um, and then they had to do what's called like a psychological exam, a psychosocial exam. And I think it was just a regular physical. I think those are the three big ones, if I'm not mistaken. It could be another one. Um, But what that is is basically you meet with a psychologist and you answer questions about your kid. So they're like, how old was he when he first rolled over? How old was he when he first? So it's basically like looking at how he developed during time and if he's meeting certain things. And physically... So when they're babies, a lot of it is physical because you don't know what they're thinking or anything like that. Right. So he was progressing perfectly fine physically, even like advancing in certain things physically. You know what I'm saying? My kid is he's always been big. He's always been a big kid. Like we're trying to make him like a swimmer in the Special Olympics. Like it's not a joke. Like we're trying (laughs) like. Right. 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 I'm trying to make him an athlete within his own right. Like so whatever. Um. So to know that he was fine and then it's just like a break, like skirt, like, oh, my God, like he literally just stopped. He's not speaking to me. My son would not sit down to let me read him books. Do you know how many children's books people gave me when he was a baby shower, you know, birthdays? People are always like, oh, my God, so he can be smart and da 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 da. And I'm trying and I'm trying to, and I'm going to cry because this is like oh, crazy to me because I'm remembering right. and it's like. I would sit on the bed and have him on my lap and try to read a book to him. And he would like squirm and try to run away every single time, screaming, crying. Like I was torturing him. And all I was trying to do was connect in a way that society told me I'm supposed to connect with my kid. Right. So, and then. Girl, I be crying easy. Don't be, <laughs> don't be making me cry. I'm sorry, girl. Oh my God. Um, I'm a whole water baby. But anyways, uh, <laughs> 
And then that's the shit. Like, I'll cry and then I'll be like, but bitch, whatever. Like, it's cool. Um, <laughs> so I remember it was that. And then one of, I did have one friend that I reconnected with because we had babies around the same time. So she had wanted to go to like this, um, it was like toddler daycare kind of, but they're really, really small. And it's like they're playing music with tambourines. Like, you know, little shit, mommy and me type shit. I couldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. So I had to be like, okay, I'm not going to force my kid to do something where he's miserable. Like, when I say miserable, Mandy, miserable. Like, you would think I am the worst mother. And that's how I felt. Like, me making him do things like this is actually making me feel like I'm a bad mom. Like, who would put their kid through this? Right. Was there anything that you can remember as he was getting older that you did find a connection to be able to do with him? Or was it that was swimming? Okay. That is his story. Listen, um, when he was little, and this is other things like you you society, right? Christmas. Christmas is a big thing for kids, right? Right. My kid doesn't play with toys. What am I giving him to open? You think he's going to be hype about a pair of sneakers or a pair of jeans? He don't give a fuck about that. He oh, doesn't wow. care. So, like, I would give him little toys here and there, but I'm not spending all my money on gifts on Christmas. And what right. I would do is I would take him on vacation. My kid has more stamps on his passport than anybody I fucking know. <laughs> okay? We, we've been to Cabo. We've been to Bahamas. We've been to Puerto Rico. We've been to DR. Like, we've been to all of these places because I know he likes to swim. And living in New York, oh, wow. we don't get right. to swim. Right. So we would literally take a week or two out of the year and just go somewhere where I can walk to a pool and we would spend all day in the pool. And that was a connection for him and I. Like, he knew, like, what kid, what autistic kid, and this is breaking, like, stigmas, right? What right. autistic kid you think is going to take that flight to Cabo? Mandy, I know you've been to Cabo. That's not an so, easy flight. So I've been to Cancun, not Cabo, but... <laughs> Well, let me tell you what it is. It's close. It's close. So it's the six or seven flight, seven hour flight to Mexico City. Then you have to come out in Mexico City because you just landed in Mexico. You have to go through customs, get your luggage, recheck in to Mexico City to fly to Cabo, which is a two hour flight. My kid was six years old with autism at the time, and we flew, we walked with no problem without an issue. So let me ask you now. So let's get into getting him into school mm-hmm. and maybe what that process was and uh, special classes that maybe he had to be a part okay. of or and maybe even bullying. Like, how do you how are you dealing with his treatment by other kids, but also by adults as well? Oh, I'm a mama bear girl. OK, so let me tell you, I'm a whole mama bear with my kid and I'm also a crab. So we shelter each other like we just be in the crib. To be honest, COVID, me and me and Ethan during COVID thrived. Okay, so you homeschool? I homeschool. I quit my job to homeschool him during COVID. Oh wow! What about prior to COVID? How was how was it with him going to school? It's I heard the terrible. I heard the terrible. And what's even worse is that they say that New York is one of the best cities for it, and. It could be if you know how to milk the system. One, if you have the money and the means to just stay home all day. Yes. 
or two, if you milk the system or know how to milk the system enough to be able to stay home. And this is no shade you, to anybody. But but what do you mean milk the system? What are the opportunities that are offered in New York City that, that, that you've experienced? For a working woman, none. So, okay. this is just, okay, there's, there's so much to unpack, Mandy. Like, you right. don't even understand. I'm, oh, my goodness. Um, okay, so I've been working since I was 19 years old in the medical field. Right. Okay. So by the time I was 23, I had been working full time at my job four years. My um, my son's father, my boyfriend at the time is four years older than me. So he was okay. 28. You know what I'm saying? So we felt like we were in a space where like we were working. We had good jobs. We had a good apartment. We were able to get the two bedroom in a new building in the Bronx. Like we were doing everything we were supposed to do. You know right. what I'm saying? And I didn't want to stop my career path because I was doing so well. I was I, I had just gotten a job at a at a hospital. Like it was it was big things for me. For someone who didn't right. go to school. I was making right. upwards of 75K a year. I didn't go to school, Mandy. This was straight wow. GED. You know what I'm saying? Like wow. right. I really felt like I was doing something in 2012, 2013. Like, right. you know? So I didn't want to stop that because my son needed my help. And that's right. very difficult for me to admit now because I felt like I was very selfish at the mm. time. I don't know what my son can't. And this is mom guilt and all of that. And I really need to get over it because he's great. You know what I'm saying? Right. But it's like the what ifs. Like, what if I would have mm. quit my job when he was three? Would he be speaking more now? You know what I'm mm. saying? Or right. does God have a plan? And I'm no Bible pusher or anything like that, but I believe in divinity and a greater power. But does God have a plan and was like, you know what? You had to learn all of that. You had to go through all of this so you could be ready for when he was developmentally ready to accept you being home, pushing him, teaching him and all of that. You know, would I be burnt out by the time he was actually ready to accept it? Right. Because I was home all this time. So this is just my, my frame of mind. And, and, and can I can I also ask you, outside of the mom guilt, you're talking about him accepting it. it is it what what does that mean? What does it mean for an autistic child to, to accept what? That they're autistic, that they're different than the other kids? No. What was the accepting part? So this is something that I can honestly say I figured out with time and him growing up as being a mom, okay. which is why I'm very happy that I'm on this platform to anybody who might be listening, okay? Children with autism, it's a developmental delay, which means, as I was saying earlier, there are certain milestones people are expected to hit at certain right. ages. You know what I'm saying? Talking, communicating, relationships, um, learning how to follow those, so directions. I was about to say, and men still don't know how to do those well until to their 50s, This is okay? what I'm saying, right? But... <laughs> No, but like literally, but it's little, even things like hand-eye coordination, learning mm. how to cut scissors, like learning how to cut with scissors, learning how to hold a pen, learning how to formulate questions. All of these come with age, right? right. And being, and your brain being able to handle the input that's coming in, change it in your mind and release it again for other people to understand. All of that comes with developmental things in your brain right mm. and this is just me i'm not a scientist girl i don't know but this is just me, me neither. <laughs> right so 
with time, your kid, when, when kids have autism, it's delays. That's why it's a spectrum. Some kids have more delays than others. Some kids may never get past certain delays. Sometimes there's limits to where they can progress to, or sometimes it just takes time. My son is 11 years old, okay, 11 going on 12, and I can see literally when people speak to him now versus when he was five, six, seven, I can see him grasping it and and processing it. And actually, if you give him time, and I, I, let me tell you, and you asked about school, I fight with his teacher all the time. All, she don't like me because I'd be like, excuse me, give him time to speak. Like, give right. him a moment. Why are you rushing him? All the time, girl. So <laughs> it's, it's terrible. And I'll just be like, you know, give him time. I see him processing it. It's going through his mind. He's thinking about it. He's calculating. And then he'll come out with the answer. You know, to me, just to get back to your school question, school, science, history, that's, I don't give a fuck about none of that for my kid. I don't care. And this okay. is why. Because I know my son, and this is like words of attraction and manifestations or whatever. I know my son's limits at the moment not to say they can't change because there's always things always happen however for right now I need to focus on him being independent in life I need him to focus on being able to reading writing and math then those reading writing and math and then even with adjustments Mandy my son has a problem picking up a pencil but that's not to say he can't type on a computer or write on a mm. on, or text. So I tell his teacher all the time, you have him in like a kindergarten level because you want you can't read what he's writing. But my son can text people. My son, my right. son texts, my son FaceTimes, my son will write what he wants. Like there's things the way they learn is so different. And like that's right. like with time. Ladies. I was gonna say that's just literally also but but even you saying he can text. He can type on a computer. That's also like for teachers uh, that are teaching autistic students. I don't know why, you know, finding the best way for them works instead of trying to teach them. No one writes cursive anymore. Ways. No one writes notes anymore. So when the idea was the that, last time? So the idea that teachers in 2021 are still pushing a child to write with a fucking pencil. Like, mm-hmm. give me a break here. Like, give me a break. And the it, idea it that, that that his mother is telling the, the, the teacher. And you know what? I'm curious. If any of you out here listening um, are teachers, if you could write Steffi, if you could write me, and I'll pass along the um, the information you may have, I would love to know if there's an exact reason as to why uh, they, they're still choosing to teach children to push it. so so like oh my god so out of medieval times like mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. let's get it together so okay so you have that conversation you you have the issues with the teacher now let me ask you now what is his relation to other kids his age is he friends with other children that are also autistic or what is how does he coexist with children because children can also be very cruel so, so what is I that didn't, like? I think kids are very perceptive and kids are very honest. I don't want to say all kids are cruel. 
Okay. Okay. I, okay. Because well, I, I won't say that. I'll right. take that back. And I, and I only say this, and I only say this because I used to say that. And I know why you say it. Like, don't get it. Don't get it twisted. You know what I'm okay. saying? Like, I know some of these motherfuckers be like, girl, you need to calm the fuck down. But anyways, sorry, I don't know if I'm supposed to curse. But um, no, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have this friend, right? And again, we became close after I had the after I had Ethan or whatever. So our sons are like six months apart. Her son is six months younger than my son. Okay. So in the beginning, like I said, I would isolate ourselves, but that's because I knew going to parties it was an issue, right? Or going to events, it was an issue. And people, I won't say people aren't accepting of Ethan and like us and like they want him to come. They're like, oh no, girl, it's fine. It gives me anxiety and that's why I don't like it, to be right. to be honest. And it's like, I know it in the long run, it messes up his day or his week. You know, like it's a lot to come down. It's a lot of stimulation for him. So I okay. we isolated ourselves from early. But I say all that to say this with um, his association with other kids. I have this friend and we would go to like, I think it was a Halloween party, maybe a birthday party or whatever. There's a small group of my friends who each have small kids. So, of course, I have a small kid. So I was invited to said party. Right. And like I said earlier, I'm a mama bear when it comes to my kid. Right. So I'm hovering. I'm like, I'm not playing. And this was already at a time he was four maybe five so like he was already in early intervention I already knew that we were on the road to diagnosing him officially with autism like all of this was already new so I'm extra on top of him right and I'm doing the whole hand movements because I'm like right um I get it it's it's literal it's literal (laughs) and I hear her son say something to him because he he wasn't talking right so he's like what's wrong with you why aren't you talking and me, as a mother, right, your face, you're like, oh, I will smack the mm. Right. Right? <laughs> but you have to kind of put your yourself in this kid's shoes. They don't, they're also develop, developing, right? They don't know how to express exactly what's going on. They don't know right. that it's hurting feelings for the kids to be like, what's wrong with you? Like, they're literally like, this is the first time I'm seeing this. What's wrong with you? They're also processing it, right? And I do, I, I do before, because I don't want to say this without you being here. I know that earlier on in this conversation, and even now with the child saying what's wrong with you, I think that I prefaced your experience with saying, when did you notice something was wrong? And mm-hmm. I don't want to assume that something is no. wrong or, you know, just different. And and I would rather use different than wrong yeah. because I don't want to I don't want to put the word right on normal and mm-hmm. something you know a, a child with autism or any disability as being wrong. So no, I just want to sure. clear that up as well for anyone listening who who that may have offended as well. I wanted to clear that up for it coming out of my mouth and mm-hmm. especially even in this dialogue. Yeah, you knew that that was hurtful to him. So I just of course don't want to make it seem like anything is wrong. Uh, specifically right. in terms of a person, you know? But this is what I'm saying. So I know why you have to say that because everybody is in different stages of their their acceptance of their kid. Right. Right? I've pers- I'm not going to say I've surpassed that because there are still times where someone will be like, we'll say some shit and I'll get emotional. However, I am 
I'm very understanding of people and how they express themselves, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's malicious. Okay? okay. I, I know some words, and I had this actual conversation with Carla. I was on her podcast last year, and we talked about the word retarded and how mm. I've used that my whole life. I still slip up, and it will still come out because I know I don't mean it in the way where it's bad. You know what I'm saying? Because when you've used a word your whole entire life, it's hard to not right. say it again. You can be conscious of not saying it. You can try right. your hardest to not saying it. But if I'm telling a story and I'm very passionate when I tell my stories and you see me, I'm moving around and da 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 you know what I'm saying? It'll slip up and I don't backtrack and be like, oh my God. Sometimes it just slips out. Right. That's definitely one of those words that was acceptable at one point in time and now you just can't say it. We It's the R word now. Like you literally cannot say it, but... I understand now there may be a different connection because that could be something that may have been used as as a bad word mm -hmm. towards your son, whether it be by peers or even adults or or someone who looks down on, you know, his disability in, in learning. Right. And the reason why I say, just to go back to that, is why I say all kids aren't cruel is because that same kid now is like more protective of Ethan than I am. Because, you know, like at this point, he's been around Ethan since he was five years old. They're 11. That's half their lives, if you think about it, right? So to him, he's like, whenever he's around, he'll tell his mom. He'll be like, oh, is Ethan coming? Oh, okay. And then my mom, my mom, his mom will tell me stories like that he defends like the, the, the slow, not the slower kids, because I don't want to say that. But you know what I'm saying? Like the different kids in the, the school. Kids. Right. And he's like, no, you can't. That he said, um... You can't say that about them because I, I have a friend who's like that. A friend. I love that. They've right. never spoken. Ethan doesn't talk. They've never spoken. And so I'm getting he's, emotional he's, just thinking about it. At, at 12, he still doesn't doesn't really speak much? No. And that was a big thing during. Um... So I had a, a lot of people could relate to this. I know you. I've been following you for a while, Mandy. And I know you had a problem during like quarantine where you were alone and you weren't speaking to anybody. That's why I got anybody. a goddamn cat. Right. <laughs> I started talking to a cat. <laughs> yeah, and not talking to somebody. It was affecting you, right? Right. So I was going through that pre-quarantine. So I live alone with my kid. I don't talk to people all day. Like, we don't speak in the house. Like, it's it's oh, it wow. really affected me. Because for a long time, like, I lived with his dad. Okay. Then me and his dad broke up. Then I lived with my mom for a couple of years. And then my mom got married. I stood with the apartment, which is where I live in the Bronx. And she moved out with her, her husband. Then my sister moved in because she, you know, needed and I had the space. You know, like I've always had somebody. Once my sister left and it was just me and him, I was just like, once I got home from work, if I'm not talking to like a guy or like my friends on the phone, I am not speaking in my house. Oh, wow. Because he doesn't speak. So what I started to do and what I actually learned recently is it has helped him. And I didn't even know is I would start saying what I'm doing. So I'll be like, OK, I'm cooking dinner. I'm taking the things out of the because we he didn't he wasn't hearing anyone talk either, except for like TV or like YouTube videos, right. because I literally was not talking. So and I do I do want to let you guys know, too, one of the. 
it's it's interesting because he is now about to be 12. But one of the questions that Steffi asked me, and I'm just going to throw it out there because I would love to know if any other listener um, has gone through a similar journey as Steffi. But with her son now approaching puberty, she wanted to know, how do I have the conversation surrounding sex? How do I have the conversation surrounding dating and puberty and the changes that he's about to experience? Oh girl. And she and also again because you do live with him alone, you're also doing this as a woman. Mm-hmm. So what he's about to go through with puberty, I have no idea. Yeah. And so I I do want to, you know, have this calling to any of our listeners, make sure you hit me up on either the official box owner page, hit up um uh, my personal page or hit Steffi's information up. It will be in the description of this episode because yes. That's another literal journey of a whole different development that you're going to have to experience with him. And there, I mean, you know how to talk, you know how to write, you know how to speak. Um, It's difficult with kids, with typical kids, as they say. Yes, with with just kids really, you know, just being curious. And so Mm -hmm. it's going to be, that's, you're about to embark on a whole nother journey with that. And so, yeah, if anyone listening does, um, has gone through that journey and experience, please reach out to us. Um, I guess, Steffi, of course, before we get out of here, um, you're still learning every day. But for for someone who may feel as though their child uh, has the developmental delay or may be autistic, could you provide some insight, a tip, some advice um, in motherhood? Um, Mm -hmm. maybe in the confidence of being a mother, um, not feeling the guilt that maybe, you know, you still feel to this day because you can't blame yourself. What advice would you give to a mother embarking on the journey of raising a child with autism? Um, to just remember that your child is one of a kind. That's, that's a real thing. There's a reason why the sign for autism is a puzzle piece. Because it's the only piece that can fit in the puzzle. It's literally one of a kind. You know what I'm saying? So you cannot accept, expect your kid to do everybody's shit when your kid is not everybody. Your kid is mm. one of a kind. So don't, don't compare them. Don't compare their journeys. My son, you know, he's not speaking full sentences now. But he's actually conveying wants and demands, and that's bigger than he was two years ago. And he's 12, you know? And that's a big thing for me, and I'm going to celebrate his milestones when he reaches them. I'm not holding You're not going to set them for, right. So just basically, you would say then to not set milestones for your child, but to just embrace them when they come. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, nurture them as best as you can. Don't just sit back and think that it's just going to happen. You have to work for it. But just because you're working for it and it's not coming as fast as everyone else doesn't mean it's not going to come. Now, um, of course, with COVID, you've been able to teach him at home. I do just because I don't want to miss out. What resources and things are available for mothers or fathers um, dealing with, you know, the learning process and education regarding a child with autism? What are some resources that you've used that you recommend? Uh, websites, 
Um, and our producer, May, who's amazing, will also go ahead and make sure she includes all of that information in the description of this episode. Um, but yeah, could you share those resources with us as well? Yeah, it's hard because it's very statewide. So it's, each state has okay. their own laws and things. So it's very hard to give like very specific things. There's other big ones. Autism Speaks is a big one. I think that's national. Um, they have a lot of information and you can go state by state to look into like resources and things like that. Look into early intervention. Early intervention for your state is very, very important. Ethan has been in school since he was two and a half. Literally. Oh, wow. In, in school, like leaving my home and going to a school at two and a half years old. And, you know, he would have speech and group therapies and OT, PT, because there's other underlying things for each kid. Each kid has different issues. So you want to make sure that you're testing each area out to see where he needs help, he or she needs help in. So definitely right. my one tip for any mother, if you see anything, and it's not wrong to say anything wrong, because you have to understand what we're comparing these kids to is conventional methods. So it's okay. wrong compared to the conventional methods. It's something off. If you if you don't want to use the wrong because it has a bad connotation, it's off. It is different. There's there's a delay that that's fine. But if you do see that, talk to your pediatrician. You might need a referral and all of that, depending on your state laws. But Google early intervention. I'm pretty sure it's the same phrase in most states. And just get into it early and just try to work as best as you can, as early as you can. It is hard if you're working full time. I'm not going to get like. We didn't get into that, but that is hard. It is difficult. Everything they do is from nine to five. So if you have a nine to five, when are you doing everything? Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm just going to leave it at that. So just think about that as well. Okay. And then, Steffi, before we get out of here, where can our listeners find your podcast? And if you could share a little bit more about maybe your favorite episode or where they can hear more of you, go ahead and give your spill, honey. Yes, yes. Okay, so my episode, my episode, my podcast <laughs> is called Do I Look Fat? And I actually just reached um a year, May 1st. So Congrats. Yes, thank you. So my 52nd episode called Look Back at It is actually like a highlight reel. So if you want to know who I am and what I talk about, check out my highlight reel and it'll It'll put you on for sure. And I'm sure you'll want to listen to because I'm pretty funny. I was a little, you know, serious this <laughs> uh, this um, podcast episode, but I was I'm pretty funny. Um, but yeah, so it's called Do I Look Fat? Anywhere you're listening to period sis, you can find me. And oh. hello. And then also you can follow me on Instagram. That's where I talk about all of my mom shit. So like if you're really interested in my journey uh, with my kid and with Ethan, it's underscore Steffi Kiss, S-T-E-P-H-Y-K-I-S-S on Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. Again, that information is going to be available in the description of this episode. Also, stay tuned. I am going to drop a few stats and facts um, about the autism statistics here in America. So stay tuned for some facts about that. And Steffi, thank you so very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Of course. Bye. When I was 25 years old, I was diagnosed with autism. And it wasn't a tragedy. It was the best thing that's ever happened to me. I wasn't a failed neurotypical person. I was a perfectly good autistic person. When I tell you that women are strong, 
women are fierce and they are not to be reckoned with. Seriously, I just appreciate Steffi so much for joining me today on this week's episode of Period Sis. I really hope that you guys enjoyed the conversation, the vulnerability. Um, and again, we're all just dealing with so much. Um, I wanted, as as always, to leave you guys with a few stats and facts regarding autism. Um, in 2020, the CDC reported that approximately one in 54 children in the U.S. is diagnosed with um, autism and that boys are four times more likely to be diagnosed than girls, uh, just so that you guys can get what those numbers look like. One in 34 boys are identified with autism and one in 144 girls are identified with autism. Um, I think it's important to also note that it does affect all ethnic and socioeconomic um, groups and minority groups do tend to be diagnosed later and less often. But I feel as though that has just a lot to do with our lack of trust in the medical field altogether due to so many different reasons. Um, again, I think that, again, uh, I, I said this recently as well. I think we truly just have to be kind to one another. Um, I know that Steffi spoke to even just the interaction that she's had with adults and other children as it pertained to how they may or may not have viewed her son uh, because he was different. And I truly just, we need to be kind to one another. Um, uh, uh, again, if any of you do have a child with autism who is approaching puberty and adolescence and those conversations regarding sex and, and other conversations that normally come about um, with, with teenagers and you would like to share your experience with Steffi, please be sure to reach out to her. Her information is provided here in the description of this episode. As always, I want to thank all of you for tuning in. I thank all of y'all for rocking with me here and the podcast and, and of course, official box owner. As you guys know, we have all of our products at the official box owner website. That's officialboxowner.com. Go on over now. Use promo code BOXCARE and get 15% off of your order. We have our OBO pouches. We have now She Orgasms, which are sexual enhancement supplements. And then, of course, we also have our apple cider, apple cider vinegar gummies, which is the yummy box, and our boric acid suppositories, which is our balanced box. So go on over now. Copy your products. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. This is yet another tale of womanhood. I'm so excited uh, that you guys continue to join me. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And again, until next time, bye. bye.